Welcome to episode 323 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're coming at you from a Burger King. That's where we're going to do the big reveal of the Black Knight. Ha ha ha. Stern Pinball, the biggest pinball company in the world. What a funny April Fool's joke. I mean, I have a sense of humor. I do. But I just found that to be pretty lame. I mean, I get it. I get it. But look, here's the thing. I do feel, I do feel this like arrogance that is sort of emanating from Stern Pinball lately, and I'm kind of getting annoyed by it, and I kind of want someone out there to pick up a sword of rage, and I want them to slay the Black Knight. Now, here's the funny part. The ironic thing to me is the Black Knight, the Dark Castle, you know, the evil kingdom in pinball, I'm starting to feel a little bit like it might be Stern Pinball, that they might be you know, the, the Sauron and the evil empire a little bit. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm just feeling this sense of arrogance that's kind of annoying me the last few days. And as I've been away from the pinball scene, you know, not reading Pinside, here's what I mean by that. I really was just annoyed that the Black Knight didn't get revealed at TPF. I can't shake this feeling that Sturm Pinball just didn't bring that game or even allow Steve Ritchie to talk about that game at TPF. And they just held the news for two days to just do a stupid IGN story. I mean, Zach, Jody, do you guys really think IGN sells you one more pinball game? Let me break it down for you right now. Nobody gives a shit about IGN pinball stories. It doesn't even hit your demographic. It doesn't hit your target. And your target is on the forums. Your target is on Facebook. Your target is at TPF. And I just find that that just reeks of arrogance, that we're too good for the biggest pinball show in Texas. We'll send Steve Ritchie and we won't allow him to talk about his new game. We'll do it two days later on an inconsequential website to your target. I mean, how annoying is that? And how arrogant is that? And I've been reaching out to people, you know, distributors being like, why are they doing this? Like, why, why, why wouldn't they bring it to the show? Why wouldn't they just reveal it at the show? And people are like, well, that's how Stern does it now. And, and are we just supposed to say, yeah, that's cool? Well, I, I don't know. I kind of think Stern always doing this. They blow off Expo. They blow off TPF. I don't think it's like we should applaud that. I think it's them beating their chest and saying, we're better than you. We're better than you, TPF. We're better than you, Expo. We don't need to go where, where, where you're at, where the fans are at. And I, I'm here to tell Stern Pinball, and I know they listen to the show. I, I think that reeks of arrogance because the people that are buying your $9,000 machines, the people that are spending their hard-earned money on your games, which we all know, we all know, Stern, we, we've revealed this on this show. We know these games aren't worth anywhere close to $9,000 or $7,500, bucks, but we still buy them. Because you do put out a, a fun pinball product. We know we're getting ripped off, but we support you, Stern, and we go in on your games. For you to then constantly avoid the community at the different shows is just, I, I think, is fucked up. And I do. And I think, and you know what I'm talking about. It's not about Marco coming with all the monsters. I get that. And your presence at the show is felt. But when it comes to your complete avoidance of shows, when it comes to reveals, because you know that so many people go to these shows for reveals and then you stick it to them. You give them nothing. And Steve Ritchie gets up there and is like, I'm going to reveal some surprises. And it's just a bullshit one hour se seminar where he says nothing. 
why i'm just annoyed i'm annoyed that stern thinks they're better than the community when it comes to these shows and they don't really care to give you anything of value and i think it's going to bite them in the ass a little bit and i'm starting to root more against them lately because i don't think they should behave that way not after so many people who pay and travel to go to these shows so many of those people deserve more from stern and stern should really give them more you know information and value and presence and not make it all just one big joke like we're just a bunch of suckers who no matter when you reveal no matter when you put a product out there it's going to be successful because i start i'm even starting to think that stern doesn't even have much of a strategy anymore when it's like title on top of title on top of title i mean think about it how old news now is the Munsters? Like, who, who, the Munsters feels like it came out two years ago now. I mean, who who's even, like, in on it still? There's no conversation around it anymore. It's like it's yesterday's news. Now everyone's on to Black Knight. We're waiting to see when that game's going to be flipped next week, how it's going to play. It's, it's like, it's unbelievable. It, it's like a movie studio putting out one movie a, a week, and you, you can't even, like, figure out when you're going to go see the first one, let alone the fact that the second one's already out. And that's what it feels like. They're just dropping stuff on top of stuff and nothing's starting to feel special anymore. It's just on to the next, all right? Now look, what I hope Stern does moving forward, and I mean this, Stern, I think you need to stop fucking over the shows. I think you need to stop avoiding the shows. And look, we're about to get the Black Knight at Midwest Gaming Classic. So look, Stern is not saying fuck you to every show, right? They're gonna be there. They're gonna bring the Black Knight there. My whole point was, why didn't they just reveal it at TPF and give all those people who travel to Texas and give all of those Stern fans who were at Texas and give Steve Ritchie, who was also at Texas, a great moment to show the game to the world for the first time? Because I, 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 I got to be honest, it wasn't a great moment just to have a stupid IGN story go up. I mean, why? Why? And that story was so like whatever. The, the, the interview, like the last question was like, how easy is it to, to remove and clean the upper plate? It's like, what fucking question is that in, in a pinball story where you're trying to get people excited about the game? All right. IGN. So like 10 years ago, 15 years ago in terms of it doesn't even hit the target. If I were to put together a media list. All right. Where should we go out with the news to get pinball buyers excited? IGN. Yeah. You guys really go to IGN on a daily basis. Nobody does who's into pinball. Nobody. Nobody. I get the writers in the pinball, but that's not where you go. More people will get excited if you just go to pinball machines for sale on Facebook or you go to Pinside or you reveal it on This Week in Pinball. Why not give why not give Jeff, who has a pinball website dedicated to pinball, who I bet more people, more people will read This Week in Pinball uh, who are into pinball than will read IGN who are into pinball. Okay, I, I guarantee you the traffic is higher. And this is where we are with modern media. It's more important to go to where there's real influence than it is to go to just a broad site that covers way more stuff than just your focus. And most people who go to IGN could give two shits about pinball. All right, what else is going on in the pinball world? So I'm really excited because this week, this week, and when I say this week, I mean tomorrow, I might be able to get my hands on the next game from Jersey Jack Pinball. And I'm hearing, so I guess this is why I said I thought they were going to reveal it this week, because I'm scheduled to go to Jersey Jack Pinball tomorrow on Friday to play the next game from Jersey Jack Pinball. Now, 
I'm told some someone someone's been telling me they're also going to be talking to some people at JJP, and the uh, the the meeting or the interviews will be embargoed until next week. Now, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to like spoil any plans Jersey Jack Pinball has for the launch of their next title. Okay, but what I won't do is just wake up today and sound like an ignorant fool who doesn't know what's going on in the Jersey Jack world. It's Willy Wonka. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they might be asking people not to reveal what the title is. It's Willy Wonka. It's on Jersey Jack's own Facebook page. Their new videos have the the never-ending gobstoppers as the pinballs. It's Willy Wonka. We've been saying it now for weeks. Uh, We all know it's going to be Willy Wonka. Okay. But what I won't do, what I won't do, if I go over there tomorrow and I play the game and I talk to Jack and interview Jack about the game, I'm not going to like spoil what is on the game for you because I do want to respect all the hard work that they put into the game and I want them to reveal it for you for the first time. And I also think it's really shitty to sort of spoil maybe some of the mechanisms or the toys or the layouts with a podcast like what a crappy way to like you know think about what's going to be in that game I still want the game to live on in your imaginations until you see it until the curtain is pulled back right it'd be like trying to describe to someone what a great song sounds like using a podcast I think it'd be terrible all right so I'm really excited that's the plan I'm supposed to go over there tomorrow morning at 11 a.m and play the game I will also be carrying with me a check for $12,500 made out to Jersey Jack Pinball. Because if I like what I see and I like what I play, I am putting down a check for a collector's edition of Willy Wonka. And that is how much I like this theme. It is how excited I am for a Pat Lawler game that's not based on a theme that makes me want to blow my head off. It's how excited I am for a Jersey Jack standard body game. I don't like wide body pinball. It's how excited I am for a Jersey Jack game based on a classic movie where they have the entire assets to the game. Now, here's what I know a little bit about the game, and I'm going to give you some news right now. And This is not spoiling anything. I hear there are four songs from the original movie that are in the pinball machine, which is great. There aren't that many songs in the movie itself. I think there's like five or six. Uh, they're probably not going to do the, you know, the Charlie, the one the mom sings. Is it the mom even singing it? But there's like a couple sappy songs. But if there's four songs from Willy Wonka in the game, I, I think you're going to get like the Candyman song. I think you're going to get, uh, your, you know, the World of Imagination. I, I forget all the titles of the songs. You're going to get the good ones. You're going to get the Oompa Loompa song. It's going to have to be in there. So it's going to be great. I'm also hearing that there is going to be a a physical ball lock on the limited edition game, and I'm hearing that there won't be a physical ball lock on the standard edition game. So Jack is starting to remove some parts um, from the games when he's thinking about the standard editions of a Jersey Jack games. Now, does that mean he's trying to adopt a little bit of a pro model? Maybe. Maybe, but here's the thing. You can't charge $8,500 and remove mechanisms and call it a pro. Uh, The reason why Stern is able to have that gap between the pro and the premium is it's only like $5,500, right? Or $6,000, but the street price is like $5,500 on a Stern Pro. It'd be really hard to sort of spend $8,500 and get stuff removed from a game. 
I still think Jack is sort of struggling to find his way in the three-tiered system of games. And if I were to recommend something to Jack, it would be you got to go one way or the other. You really got to strip it down and get it around like 6500 bucks, or you stay premium and you don't yank stuff out and you don't have so many variations of the game and you set a limit on day one and say, we're only going to make 1,500 Willy Wonkas. You know, we're going to make... Uh, 500 collector's editions and 1,000 premium editions, and that's it, and you stay premium. But I think Jack's still trying to figure this out as they go. I'm going to actually talk to him about that when I'm there. I I think they need to figure this stuff out. It just feels like their marketing strategy and their plan about how they're positioning these games, it like changes every single launch, and I don't think that's good. I think he has a great product. I think he needs to make up his mind. Are you the Rolls Royce of pinball? And if that's the case, you can't just remove the headrest from a Rolls Royce and try to get people to still pay Rolls Royce prices. But now they have a car without headrest, which is a you know my metaphor for a physical ball lock. Now, I really hope the quality is there because I have to say this: all of you Pirates of the Caribbean uh, fanboys out there, do me a favor: open up the pin side thread and tell me, tell me that this game is not the biggest mechanical disaster when it comes to quality control of any pinball machine I've ever seen. And I've been covering this hobby for a enough time. This is the worst quality controlled modern pinball experience I've ever seen. Uh, some guy opened it up new in box and there was like 12 things wrong with the game out of the box. And so the question becomes, who's to blame for all these quality issues? Is it Eric's engineering or is it the people on the line? Are, 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 which, which one's which, right? And I'm trying to figure this out because was stuff just engineered in a way that wouldn't hold up over time that they should have caught during that entire year they had to test the game? What's going on here? Or are the games screwed together in a way that just aren't properly assembled? And so when you get it, there's just stuff broken. Now, it's, a, it's probably a little bit of both, right? Because there's stuff people are opening up out of box where it's just like the switch is not working. It, and, and that just means like the switch isn't either installed correctly or it's a bad switch. But that that needs to be caught at the factory before the game goes into a box. And I just, I don't even feel like they're testing these games. There's no way that like 12 things should go haywire uh, between, you know, f- completement of, 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 of manufacturing and in a box and you open it up. There's no way during shipment that all that stuff is going crazy. So look, Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm telling you, a week from now, a week from now, Pirates of the Caribbean is about to become a distant memory. It is not going to be the greatest game of all time. It is not going to be so sought after. It's not going to be that game. I think when you see Pat Lawler's Willy Wonka and you see a standard body Jersey Jack game with all of the assets, you're going to see what real theme integration looks like. And and people are going to be reminded because I think the Hobbit had it in spades, but the Hobbit was just a you know lackluster design. I think this is this this kind of has to be the game that makes us all believe in Jersey Jack. He must know this. They have to know this. I'm so excited to go over there within 24 hours from now. Hopefully, I will see the game in front of me for the first time. The other thing I'm hearing is the uh, the the standard edition artwork is the big Willy Wonka logo, and the Ellie artwork is supposed to be phenomenal. No word on what the collector's edition will be and what kind of stuff is going to be in that game. So that's what we know. The pricing is the same as as Pirates of the Caribbean. 
All right, what else is going on in pinball? If you are a spooky pinball fan, and you are waiting for your Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Uh, they are going out the door. I just saw the other day that yesterday or today, uh, Spooky is now offering target decals for their games. So if you want to put target decals on your Spooky machine, um, they will either install them for you at the factory. So if your Alice Cooper has not been manufactured yet, uh, give them a little email or note and they will happily put them on. I also think this is just so basically simple ways to make additional revenue for pinball, right? Giving people the chance to upgrade their games uh, with different things after they buy it is really easy, right? And there's like high profit margins on stuff like stickers and toppers and inner art blades and, you know, armor. Like this is where the real profit is uh, because we know that a lot of these collectors, they love to dress these games up. And I'm still surprised that the, uh, the, modding, the modding world is still outside of the manufacturers for the most part. I'm still shocked by that, that there's still so many great mods that the money and the revenue is not going to the manufacturer, it's going to the mod, um, the, the mod folks. Uh, but it's also like, I, I like that too though. I do like people outside of these companies having the creative freedom to make all the coolest mods for these pins. So it is cool that we get you know to choose from both. And, you know, we got like, you know, Mezzo mods, we've got the mod couple, uh, we've got Pin Stadium, a lot of great modding out there that's going on that's really, really cool. Uh, I love modding in pinball. I, one of my favorite things was dressing up my Batman 66 and dressing up my Lord of the Rings with just some of the coolest mods. I mean, you can't really stand over a Batman 66 unless it has all those available mods that uh, the mod couple created in Yellow Bird. I mean, he, he changed the game. He absolutely changed the game and made it look like a premium game. All right. I know some people are wondering whether or not my Batman 66 prediction that another art package is coming uh, will be true or not. Um, we're going to see if that happens. That's the rumor I'm hearing. Uh, no, it's not going to be new Playfield artwork. It's cabinet artwork. It's a new cabinet theme, uh, if you will. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, I would just wait. I mean, why buy one now? They're, they're not going to stop making Batman. Uh, I think it's worth waiting. Uh, but if you get one now and you get a signed Adam West card, that's cool. You lucked out. I know a lot of people are sort of bummed out that they ordered their Batman premiums a while ago and Stern didn't give uh, signed Adam West cards and now they're putting them back in. Whatever. What are they going to do? You, you win some, you lose some. I mean, I don't blame them for that. I mean, whatever. They're drumming up excitement later on in the game's run and that's a good way to do it. So, you know, well, I would do the same thing. All right. What else is going on? Anything else? Anything else? Um, yes, yes. So I'm waiting to get Josh Kugler back on the show. I, I have to say I saw this. I saw this correspondence between, uh, let's see, Josh was in the Oktoberfest thread. And, and games like Oktoberfest, and this is why, again, you listen to the show, and I say this all the time, this is why marketing matters. As all these games are getting announced, and all this stuff, and all this hype, and all, this, all the availability of these games are becoming um, present, how much harder is it now to convince people to go buy, you know, games like Oktoberfest? And the game has been revealed now for over six months, uh, and and people are waiting to get them. And they had a good showing at TPF, but you know, the, as we say all the time, the more time you give people to think about it, that usually works against you in the pinball world. I'm even surprised Stern, you know, showed Black Knight so early and the game's not really on the line yet. I mean, I did see some cabinets, so maybe it is on the line. Uh, but, you know, they didn't even give Munster's Premium a chance to go out the door and they've got a new game. But I, 
I saw some correspondence and I want to just read something because you know me on this podcast. I give everyone a fair shot, but sometimes I read stuff. And sometimes I see how the pinball community responds to things in these games. And these are expensive toys. Let's not forget that. A $7,500 toy you don't need. And one of the new things that is that is in every pinball experience now are the animations on the LCD screen. And we have seen animations from Jersey Jack, Stern Pinball, Oktoberfest, uh, sorry, you know, American Pinball with Houdini and Oktoberfest, Spooky Pinball, you know, so the LCD screen, it's now become a really important piece of real estate to fill up with stuff uh, on a pinball machine. We saw it on Highway Pinballs, Alien did a great job with it. And so all of these companies, all these companies have invested in making that LCD screen part of the pinball experience. Um, you know, we've even, even seen, you know, companies like Chicago Gaming where they kind of go halfway, which still DMD, but they're, you know, making it larger. But here's the thing. You can't look at animations in pinball in a vacuum anymore. And you can't look at the animations and say, hey, that's really great. Because here's what I think the problem in pinball is. It's 2019. And it took pinball so freaking long to go from DMD to LCD. It's a joke. It was like going from a rotary phone, right, to a new Apple-like iPhone X. That's the equivalent of of, of pinball and how, how... in, in, in like we were so uh, outdated and using obsolete technology so like all the way up to Ghostbusters, we were still using DMD. And, and that is the equivalent of giving someone a rotary phone as a gift in the year, what, like t- 2016 that we were using 30, 40 year old technology, even older in, in these modern games that were selling for, for $8,000, $9,000. What a joke, right? All right. So now there's parody. There's parody in the pinball world in which almost every game that's new has the LCD. Now, the biggest complaint we've seen around Oktoberfest revolves around two things. It revolves around the artwork in the game. Uh, people have complained that it's too busy. It's you know there's too much going on. Uh, you know there there's just doesn't seem like there's a cohesive art direction. But the biggest complaint. If you hear from people, because I do think people like the, you know, the shots in the game. I think they like the uniqueness of it. I think they like the mechanisms. One of the biggest complaints, and this also carried over from Houdini, were the animations in Oktoberfest and in Houdini. And so, Josh, uh, I, I think they have someone doing the animations. I know Josh is working on the coding, but I think Josh is also connected to the animations on the game. And Josh said something. I want to read it. He said this on Pinside. He said, I've had animators from multiple companies comment to me that they feel the criticism of our animations is out of line with what we have done. There is a lot of good stuff on our display. All right. Now, look, I want to get Josh on the show. I do. I I want you to come on, Josh. I think it's the perfect time to come on and sell Oktoberfest to my listeners. 2,000 people listen to Canada's Pinball Podcast. 2,000 people who are pinball collectors, all right? How many Houdinis were sold? I guarantee you, not 2,000. So if we can even get like, you know, a half of my listener base to consider Oktoberfest, I think that's a really uh, important thing to do. So let's come on the show. But here's the thing, Josh. Look, I, I don't think... I don't think the LCD is as important as all these companies make it out to be. So I want to start with that. I think too many companies are placing too much emphasis on the screen. And I think you guys have done a great job 
in packing the play field with awesome toys. And I think that to me, that is where the important part of pinball should be beneath the glass. Okay. Now that being said, you can't tell me that animators out there in 2019 took a look at Oktoberfest animations and were like, you don't deserve criticism that you guys actually have some good stuff going on there. I, I just have to say, come on, come on. There's there, the, the animations are rudimentary at best. This stuff looks like stuff I had on my PC computer like 25 years ago. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't think we can look at this stuff and pretend like we're not seeing animations happen on mobile games, on cell phones. And it's not that expensive to get good animations. This doesn't look like there's much effort or much talent being applied to these animations. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I work with animators all the time. I, I actually grew up in the beginning of my career in the video game industry. And I, I saw people's mobile games like 15 years ago that, that were far better than the animations we're seeing now in these games. And video game animations have been better for like 20 years than what we're seeing in these in these pinball machines. And so, no, no. Like, w I, I just... I, I think American Pinball needs to rethink their entire animation process. And here's the thing. Oktoberfest is $1,000 more per game than Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. And I can see why. Because the money was clearly spent on what's on the playfield. There's far more on the playfield of Oktoberfest than Alice Cooper's. But Alice Cooper's animations blow away, blow away uh, uh, Oktoberfest animations. And so I just want to say for the record, I want Josh to come on the show, but I will tell him if he comes on the show, I, I think these animations are piss poor. I, I don't think they should be celebrated. I don't think they show any talent in animation. I think they're embarrassing. I would be embarrassed to put up those animations next to what we're seeing in the other games. And if you can't get the animations right or to look good, then don't do it that way. It, it feels like, you know what it feels like to me? It's like wearing a tuxedo, you know, and you th and everyone's going to like a formal party. Let's say everyone's going to this pinball party, right? And it's a formal party. And that's a metaphor for all the games coming out this year. It's like wearing a tuxedo and you got a big fucking, you know, gravy stain on your white shirt and you're still at the party thinking like no one's going to notice. Like we're not going to notice these animations are so bad in comparison. And and I think Davil and Nermal, I have to say this. I have to say this. I don't I don't know what they're doing when it comes to this kind of stuff. How do they stand over this and say it's a good game? And I'm going to say something that other people won't say on on pinball podcast. I don't think Davil and Nermal are pinball people. I don't think they have a pinball vision or a pinball plan. I mean, they're they're the children of a guy who made the chips and the board sets. That's that's where they come from. They don't come from the pinball world. It's really, I, I, I don't know. I just, do you, I just don't get this sense that they have a creative vision for the company. So then the question becomes is this. I'm okay with that, right? It's nothing against them. I mean, I wish my dad had like a multi-million dollar board chip company that I was the, you know, inheriting one day and I was the son of. Uh, but here's the question then. Who is creatively directing American Pinball? Who is it? Who's the visionary of that company? I mean, they hired John Papaduke. 
They let him do nothing for a year. So who's the creative visionary? Is it Josh? Is it Joe? Like who stands over the game and says that's the right art package? That's the right animations? I I just I I don't know. Am I being unfair? I feel like sometimes I say these things, but is nobody else feeling this stuff, or or are you feeling this? I, I, that's that's my whole thing. Is if you're gonna go and make a pinball game, you just can't do it where like some of it's good and some of it's mediocre and survive in 2019. I mean, I, I saw some of the animations. Uh, for Black Knight sort of rage and they look really cool. I mean, Stern's getting there. But again, even when people were praising the Black Knight animation, it was like this sort of like wintry like like figure. Uh, you know, it was, like, it was like a like a White Walker King, right, kind of figure I saw. Even when I see that, when I see the animations in Iron Maiden, these aren't really great animations happening. I mean, they're not. And, and anyone who works in the animation field, anyone who works... Uh, in the video game industry, anyone who works with mobile games, like ask Joe Kamakow if he thinks these are great animations. They're not. These are not. These are. It's a real piss poor. Uh, it's real piss poor stuff. A lot of the the animations we've been getting in pinball. But we look at a game like Deadpool and we're like, oh wow, are you kidding me? It's it's like 16 bit. For, for I, I know they're saying that's what they were doing intentionally, and I get it. I totally get it. But but man, it's like for this much money. I do think what we see on these screens and the animations on them should be far superior than what they are. And so that's all I'm going to say is just I just wouldn't, if I were American Pinball, sort of defend this stuff. What I would be saying is this. Look, there's far too much emphasis on the LCD, and we decided to put the majority of our money into the world under the glass. And I agree with that. And, and I have to say this. I have to say this. I think, look, as, as much as I think the animations on Oktoberfest are pretty piss poor, what I do like about it is this. I think what's on their screen, what's on their screen is very simple and it's easy to understand. And I think that is what's most important on a pinball LCD screen. I, I don't want there to be a ton of animations and movement. I don't want to be looking up at the LCD screen very much. And I, I do like that about the Oktoberfest LCD. I do like that when I'm in a mode, I know exactly what mode I'm in, whether it's someone juggling, whether it's, you know, sort of tossing a ring onto a bottle, whether it's picking a beer stein, I'm never confused about what I'm looking at. And then I go to like the Pirates of the Caribbean LCD and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is on this screen? There's so much stuff and I don't want a roadmap. And I don't want to have to sit down with Keith for four hours to explain to me how to look at it. I don't want little X's everywhere. I don't want five different chapters everywhere. I don't want like all these different quadrants. I don't want like a huge map where I'm not sure what. No, I just want to see like a beer stein with points. And I want to see what my competitor's points are. And I want to be looking down at the game as much as possible. And I think, you know, that's why I love Batman because I think Lyman Sheets is the master of knowing just how much to put on the screen to keep it going, but for the majority of the time, uh, you're looking down. And then when you when it, when you want to look up in Batman, it's because the ball has stopped moving, so you can enjoy what's on the screen. But he's it takes an art form to get that balance right. All right, what else do I want to talk about on this episode, Josh? If you're listening to this, brother, come on the show. I mean, look, I, the invite is there. I, I, I think it'd be a great talk. And again, I think you guys are doing a lot right. I think there's just a few things now that become the to-do list for American Pinball. Get the art better and rethink the way you're using the screen. And I think American Pinball um, will, 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 will hit it out of the park if, if they give us all, this, all these toys and all these mechs and unique designs. And then get the theme right. Those three things. Get your theme right. 
get your art right and get your animations right and that's what you need to focus on if i'm double or i'm normal that's what i'm saying uh, but again i just don't think they i really i just don't think they they have the passion to drive it i think they're they're more of like the business and the financial side of it but i think they need someone who's got an eye for this do you think john papaduke would ever let a game that looked like houdini or oktoberfest go out the door do you think he would and here's what i think ap's biggest mistake was they actually own the rights to Houdini, all of John's art, John's cabinet design. The biggest fail that American Pinball did is they let go of the most valuable assets they had. They let go of the Zidware cabinet design and John Papa Duke's sort of Zidware vision for what a pinball machine would look like. They had that. And instead of understanding how incredible John Papaduke's design was it's you know when you look at his Houdini I don't I don't don't worry about the shot layout instead of saying we should make our games look as sexy as the Zidware games you know what they did they brought in Joe he scrapped everything John was about they should have made their games with the screen under the glass, like in Circus Voltaire, they should have made their cabinets, the steep looking cabinets with the John Papaduke design, with you know the entire back glass being artwork. They had it all. That was all them. That they all they had that all in-house. They owned that IP, that direction, that design scheme. And it, it, they should that's that's where the value was with John. Joe Balser should have came in and should have made John Papaduke's creative vision for Houdini work. Instead, they scrapped it all. And in doing so, I think they threw out the most valuable thing they had. And that was John Papaduke's vision for the way a beautiful and sexy pinball machine could look in the modern day. And now you look at the cabinets. And that's the other thing I hear. The cabinet design on the AP machines. Look at those next to Zidware games. Tell me which one is sexier. Tell me which one would look better in your lineup. Tell me which one you would rather buy. I still would rather buy the Matt Andrews Houdini and the way that looked and the stylized version of it versus what American Pinball put out. And I remember Josh Kugler said this. He's like, well, we wanted to make it. We didn't, they, they didn't like the John Papaduke Houdini. They thought it was too cartoony and too like not realistic enough for Houdini. And so look at what we got in comparison. And I, I really do think you should go Google John Papaduke's Houdini and put it next to what actually came out. And see, that's the problem is you actually have like Josh Kugler saying, we don't think John Papaduke's design looked good enough and we thought we could improve upon it. And I'm here to tell you, John Papaduke for all of his you know mishaps, he has more creative direction and, and, and more creativity when it comes to design than Joe does, than, than Josh does, than Nermal and Davil does, and they threw it away. And what they should have done is they should have let John creatively design stuff for them, but they should have then built a team around him uh, that could bring it to life in a way that worked. That's, that's, I mean, they had him. They had him. And I think we're going to see Robert Mueller and Deep Root uh, take advantage of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, Deep Root Games have the screen below the glass. I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Mueller actually utilizes a lot of what John brought to the table and, do and, and doesn't disregard it. Because that's the challenge with J-Pop. Yes, he does so much wrong, but when you harness what he does right, 
he does it really right. And he and he's so much better than almost everybody else in the industry at making games look fucking incredible and magical. And he so you have to like it's almost like you have to just like utilize the 20% of him that's actually really effective and disregard the 80% of him that's delusional and thinks he can make it on his own, right? And 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 scrap the ideas that just will never work. And AP had it and they 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 let it go. And they let and, and I'm not sure they've improved upon anything we've seen from a visual and artistic and creative standpoint that John Papaduke gave them. All right. So speaking of Robert Mueller, then I'm a couple things. Um, well, I want to close with this thing. So because we're in a space now where we're talking a lot about themes, I want to talk a little bit about what Robert shared with me in terms of getting a theme and getting a license. I think it's really interesting. But before I do that, I have to kind of bring up the most ridiculous item of the day. And that is that Barry of Barry and Yop's uh, Dutch Pinball, they are starting to sell Bride of Pinbot 2.0 kits again. So this was from yesterday. This was the email. It said, hi, please let me know if you're still interested in buying a kit. We're taking orders right now for a new batch. The updated price is $22.50, I think it's pounds or euros, including VATX shipping. Please let me know ASAP so we can start building a kit for you too. Thanks, Barry. Holy shit. So like, what's going on? They're building Bride of Pinbot 2.0 kits again? Is this company dead or alive? Which one is it? What is happening? Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to speculate. I don't even want to go into the whole like, Alien is coming back. So I keep hearing it's coming back. I mean, I, I know I took down those episodes, but if Alien does come back, you best believe that episode is going right back up. All right, I'm going to close this episode and what Robert shared with me about licensing because I think it's really interesting. So he wrote the following, and I'm going to paraphrase some of this. So he wrote, um, often you are told that the license isn't available, period. Examples, Back to the Future, most video game titles, toy titles, Harry Potter, anything Christopher Nolan, or that it isn't available due to not being on the list. Studios push certain licenses from time to time. If the vault isn't on that list, you get told no. Example, Karate Kid. You are told that some someone else uh, has it even if you think they might be lying or someone else already got something similar and they won't license a derivative. Example, Beatles, Pulp Fiction, Godzilla. Sometimes the vault title has multiple owners and trying to get the rights isn't worth it. Example, He-Man and Spaceballs. Contracts were not standardized back then and studios often refused to find it and figure out what can be licensed or not. Or in the above, the legal cost to do so or to shore up rights when compared to the minimum guarantee is not worth it to the studio. Being able to use video is hit or miss, as well as use of stills. Is it worth it to move forward with a $500,000 to $1 million in development cost if you can't use the video scenes buyers expect, or the cost of reproducing them with um, the Nazi creative approvals process worth it? Sometimes video is restricted as to only those clips with full rights of all actors in the scene. Most vault movies, most memorable scenes don't always work like that. Um, Video often must be chosen and approved prior to licensing. For example, you are told to pick clips before development has gotten far enough to pick clips. And that costs a lot of money to lock that down before a whitewood rule set or art is figured out. On the other hand, if you want, wait to license until after the development, you've got 50K, 100K, 150K development that could be wasted if the license isn't granted. 
Well, that's really interesting, right? So that point there, you know, it's like you don't know, like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Imagine designing a game like Jaws and you're like, okay, here's what we need. We need this. We're going to shoot the shark and the shark is going to blow up. And then you go and you realize you can't use that clip in which the shark blows up on the screen and then you're kind of fucked. So that's really interesting. He goes on to say, most of the actors had time lapses in rights, which makes using them impossible. The studios often refuse to renegotiate them just for you, and they refuse to let you try to negotiate them on your own. When you do have to go after actors separately, you are forced into negotiating with agents who don't get pinball and don't care about anything other than maximizing their client's pocketbook. Also, when you have to go get actors uh, or go after actors separately, um, MFN crap is almost always a non-negotiable, which passes, which sorry, which pisses off the studio and blows the budget. Um, I'm not sure what MFN is. That is what killed the big trouble deal. Nearly all music has to be licensed separately. Um, lastly, these studios and actors think a lot more of these vault titles than they're often worth to guarantee. Let me read that again because I think I read that wrong. Lastly, these studios and actors think a lot more of these vault titles than they're often worth to guarantee. Okay. Upfront money or minimum guarantees are often way out of line with projected revenues and profits. All right, so that's so that's interesting. So what what he's saying there is like, you know, a lot of these movies, uh, the actors who are part of them and the studios, they think they're so they're worth so much more money than they really are, and that you wouldn't be able to make enough money or sell as many as you would need to to justify the cost the studios would want you to pay them or the actors would want you to pay them for their likeness or their usage in the games. So. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. I was really appreciative of Robert of sharing that. You know, we don't we don't normally get let into what a company goes through when it comes to licensing and merchandising and trying to trademark and get assets for games. And it's a devil's work. It is the devil's work. It is not fun. It is not enjoyable. You know, I'm sure there are so many titles that we would love to see in pinball that just can't make it out there because there might just be one actor who won't who won't go in on it. You know, imagine like you have everyone lined up and I'm sure Kurt Russell and Kim Cattrall are just such, they're so expensive, which wouldn't make doing a game like Big Trouble in Little China worth it because how, how are you going to pay them all that money? It's, a, it's still a very niche cult classic movie. Uh, it, it's not going to be worth it. So, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's a battleground too. The other part is like all these companies trying to battle it out behind the scenes. It's interesting too that he said if you secure one version of Godzilla, or one version of Beatles that might preclude you from securing another version, right? So if Stern has this like Beatles 1964, does that mean no one can do Beatles Yellow Submarine, right? If Jersey Jack does Guns N' Roses, does that mean only one Guns N' Roses pinball machine can be made? Uh, so it's really, you know, it really feels uh, like a battleground. It feels like there's a lot of money at stake. Uh, and it also feels like you have to make the right bet when it comes to what theme you license and it's so important to get it right because if you get it wrong and you spend a lot of money on a license and it doesn't pan out you're going to lose a lot of money and I think we saw that with The Hobbit right I think we saw that um, I think we didn't see that with Wizard of Oz I think that is why Jack is going back to Warner Brothers and doing Wonka because Waz was such a success and I, I bet you I bet you Wizard of Oz was much cheaper for him to do than The Hobbit was in terms of the license. So uh, I, I think if I were to pick one theme that I think someone should go figure out how to make and make it right, it's King Kong. How much can King Kong cost? 
How much? You know, go after the old like black and white movie. Make King Kong somebody, please. And please let it be Jersey Jack Pinball or Deep Root or someone who knows how to do it right. Imagine John Papaduke designing a King Kong game with his sort of crazy ideas in his in a deep root cabinet with a screen under the glass and incredible artwork that John would art direct. Imagine that. How cool would that be? Anyway, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Tomorrow could be the day in which I tell you I have played Willy Wonka and I will give you as much as I can without spoiling the reveal of Jersey Jack Pinball. But exciting week. Regardless, this game is going to be revealed next Friday at MGC. So get your checkbook ready because if this thing is hot, I think you're going to see Wonka CE sell out like within a day. I really hope Jack has a day in which things sell out immediately for him. He deserves it. He does deserve it. And I, I hope it's that great. Uh, uh, part of me is like, oh, fuck, man. I hope if I get if I get there and it's just a reskin of the Hobbit layout, I'm going to be like, oh, fuck. No, it's not going to be that. I've been told they will never reskin games at Jersey Jack, which is good news. All right, everyone. Have a great day, and we'll, we might be talking to you tomorrow. Awesome. Later. Later.